Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I saw Coldplay in concert. I have too. Where'd you see him? Right here in Buffalo. Okay, I saw him when I was living in Florida. They're at an amphitheater down there in the uh, the right coast, the uh, Atlantic coast. I lived on the other side, but we had friends. Went over there, saw him. It's pretty cool. They're coming back to Buffalo uh, next month. I like them. I mean, oh, they're kind of polarizing. Either you kind of like them or you hate them, right? Yeah, and I mean, I know that they make jokes about people who like Coldplay, right. but I mean, it, they're a fun band live. Yeah, they weren't they're, bad. They're, they're, they're actually different. pretty good. I, I I don't know. I enjoyed I enjoyed the concert. I've, I've I never of, thought it was a big deal to kind of say I liked them, but apparently it is. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of different things. Like I I kind of read some concert reviews every once in a while, and I've seen some stuff where like Coldplay is like a top ten concert to go to. Like if you like that music or just in general, just it's a popular concert to go to. And I went in two thousand nine. And I thought it was fantastic then, and I'm I'm excited to be going back later on next month. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, it'll, hey, anytime you can get out there and enjoy yourself, that's what it's all about, man. Enjoy yourself. It's kind of like, have you seen this show on TV called Greatest Hits? Have you seen this yet? I have not. No. You, do you know what it is? No. Okay, ABC has this show, and I don't know if it's only on Friday nights or Thursday nights. I should say because it was on this Thursday. It's called Greatest Hits. It's totally cheesy. There's no doubt. I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it right here. All right, here we go. Barstool confessions. But I like it. It's cheesy, but you know why I like it? Because it's fun and it brings me back to my youth. And what it is, Brayton, is they have basically they it's called Greatest Hits, and they generally use eighties to early nineties songs, and they have the original artists as they are today come out and play them live fun songs for the crowd and then a lot of times they're joined by a current artist as well so like the other day backstreet boys comes out and you're like come on right okay i admit i actually was getting into it a little bit but they have that foreigner they foreigner a foreigner was in the 70s but they're out there playing it it's cool it's cheesy but i liked it but then again i kind of I, I just it's hard to make me say, I re- oh, I hated that. I'm not a negative person generally. I hated that. So take what I'm about to say also with that in mind, the green assault maybe. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not the guy that's just going to fall in line with everybody else who tells you how horrible and stupid the ESPYs is all the time. Yes, it started that way. And when I was younger, it was, hey, it's pretty cool. It's the sports awards show. But we all knew that it was really stupid and cheesy and uh, didn't serve a purpose. It's kind of become pretty good, to be honest. They they had them the other night. The ESPYs were on. They're on uh, ABC, not ESPN. I think that kind of tells you that they're obviously selling advertising, a lot of it, because it's now going in the regular network on a weeknight. And it has a lot of elements to it that I get into as a sports fan. I don't necessarily have to have all the bells and whistles that go along with every single 
thing they do on there and they prop a lot of things up and some of it's really stupid joke telling, no doubt. But let's be honest, what awards show is not? They all are. But it's an awards show. That's what it is. I kind of have the same feeling about that as I do about a lot of the awards shows. Honestly, I don't watch the Golden Globes. I watch the ESPYs. I do watch the Grammys. I do watch the Oscars. I don't watch the Country Music Awards. I don't watch the MTV Awards, although I think I have seen the MTV Awards. You watch those? No. Do you watch the Kids' Choice Awards? No. I might someday because my son might be into that. I don't know. He might say, hey, I got to see who wins. Guess Kobe Bryant got slimed at that one. That's right. That's where they slime people. Nickelodeon, right? Yes. Okay. But I, I did watch the ESPYs. You know what I do really like about the ESPYs is every year I like the montage of the year in sports. It brings me back to those moments when I'm watching and I'm like, yeah, I was, I remember that. Oh my gosh. I can't, I forgot that happened. Oh, that was cool that that happened. And I liked it on Wednesday night. And I don't think that you should feel ashamed to like it because I don't. And people just want to tell you all the time. What happens is you're supposed to not like something. So you just say you don't like it. A movie comes out. Everyone says how horrible it is. So you don't want to be the person who says, well, I actually liked it. So you just say, yeah, you're right. It's horrible. Let's make a joke about it because everyone else does. That's what the ESPYs had become. I've actually grown to kind of like what they do because it brings me back to some of the things in the year in sports. And then they do a, they do a, a remembrance, if you will, in memorial and memoriam about people who died. You go back and you look at some of the people that we've lost. And then the awards that they have for these, the courage award and, you know, the Arthur Ashe awards for award for courage and the Jimmy V award, the, the cancer research that they talk about and Craig Sager, Winning that award, the Jimmy V Award. Oh, Craig Sager was amazing. That if, if anything, if anything, even if you hate the concept of what they do and what they did every year, the ESPYs, at the very least, please, I'm telling you, go Google some of these and watch some of these speeches by people who win these awards, like the Jimmy V Award or the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage this year, where my wife and I were bawling basically watching this. Where this incredibly strong woman and her two sons went up on stage to accept an award after we just watched this video about her other son who jumped in front of bullets to save his two friends, female friends, at 15 and was killed in a shooting. And it was heart-wrenching. And I hate... I hate, you know, watching stuff like that sometimes, but you have to. You got to know the story and you're trying to honor the person and talk about their sacrifice and what they did. And here's a young man at 15 who was so courageous to shield his friends on a porch in front of a house from gunfire and he lost his life and he won the award. And obviously he's deceased, his parent, his mom and his two brothers, one of them who is his best friend, basically they grew up, they're very close in age, went up there to accept the award, and that's the kind of thing. And her speech was great, and Craig Sager's speech was great. So I liked it. I'm not the person who's going to tell you that you should be, you should feel like you shouldn't like it and feel bad if you do. I will say, though, that I wasn't too down with John Cena as the host this year. 
I wasn't too down with John Cena. He was okay, but he was not really good. And some of the skits were bad. They weren't that funny. There have been funny skits in the past. I mean, I don't know if you remember the Blake Griffin one a few years ago with the fly swatter. That was really funny. They've been, there have been some great skits. They had one this year with Peyton Manning and the letters and a, a parody about the commercial, the letters he writes. That was pretty funny. I like that. But I didn't think John Cena was an excellent host. There were a couple funny moments with him. He seemed a bit uncomfortable, which I understand. But you could have picked a different person and a better host. Overall, the concept, I don't mind it. It's okay. It's an awards show. We're honoring sports. Every other industry has awards. I mean, heck, there's a there's an award show for everything, isn't there? Music. Every genre of music has its own award show. Heck, there's a there's an award show for porn movies. There is. I don't think you can watch it on regular TV, but it does happen and there's a convention in Vegas. There's for that. an award show for the worst movies of the year. There that's what is that one called? Is that, I can't remember what it's called. Worst Give me a movies. second. Okay. Would that be like a Rotten Tomatoes type of award or something? Sort of. Sort of? Okay. So, yeah, they, they, you have all of that. 803-0550-888-550-2550. I just didn't... I was not floored by John Cena as the host. Now, a lot of talk about what happened beforehand. We talked about in the morning show on Thursday, the morning after, with the uh, four NBA players who came out and started the show, Carmelo Anthony... Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. I was okay with that. I was totally okay with that. In fact, I support it. I think if athletes want to come out and they want to have a political stance on something, it gets the conversation. And you can disagree all you want with what they're saying or the reason they're doing it. That's fine. I think that's good. That's healthy. That's what we should all be doing here all the time in political discussions, sports discussion, whatever, is opening up conversations about uncomfortable subject matters and controversial subject matters. It gets all of us, hopefully, to think. It gets a lot of us to learn, to educate ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I know that it was a very, very hot political climate for them to do that. I respect them for doing it because of that, because it is something that today you have to go out on a limb to do that you're going to be criticized heavily through social media, through people writing blogs and news commentary all over the place. There's no doubt about that. So for those guys to do that, I give credit just for that. Look, it's hard for anybody. It's hard to step out of that zone and know that you're going to get that backlash and that criticism. It can happen here. It can happen in this medium, in this forum. I, I say all the time, I forget a lot of times how much weight my own words can have talking into this microphone I'm talking right now. But they do. And you could say something that could really spread like wildfire. We've had that happen, for good or for bad. You could have a video that goes viral. But in this platform, I mean, there are thousands of people listening right now. Hopefully millions. I don't think so, but thousands of people listening right now. And I could have, I could say something, and I could make a political stance. And if I did that, and I put myself out there, there's going to be a lot of people I'm going to alienate. There's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me. And that's why it's hard to do it. That's why I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, Brayton, I don't tweet about politics on my my Twitter account. You know why? Because I'm going to lose, I'm going to get 50% of my followers mad at me. And that's not what I, I, I want to do because I'm a sports guy. But at times, I think if you have a, a serious conviction on something and a belief on something, then do it and, and, and step, out of your, step out of your zone and do that. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done it in the past. I can't tell you exactly what example or position, but... You know, it's, it's not something that happens all the time with these athletes because 
We live in a very, very hypersensitive society where they're going to get immediately criticized by a lot of people. And sure, they're going to get some praise. But and a lot of times, much less good can come from it from their own perspective and their own name and their own brand. And I did end up finding out the uh, so what award. Is it? It's They're referred to as the GRAs or the Golden Raspberry Awards or the Razzies. What won last year? What was the worst movie? Is there like, a, do you have a, a list? Um, I mean, they have, I'm, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page right now. They have their list of anniversary awards, but I'm not seeing a annual award right. here. Well, here's some awards that uh, won for the ESPYs, and I'll tell you, there were a couple I disagreed with, actually. And again, it's an award show, so I will tell you that we should debate you know, who wins or who loses these things. It's an award show. There was a bowler from Chictawaga. He was nominated for Best Bowler. but Ryan Simonelli, yep. He did not win. Jason Belmonte won. Two-hander from Australia. You know about this. Are you a bowler? I do. Yes, I am a bowler. I bowled. In high school, I bowled. I wasn't great. I mean, I was okay. I threw a straight ball, not a curve. I rolled a 238 one time. Would have been a 244, but I fouled on my last ball. Uh, That was the highest game I've ever rolled. What's yours? Uh, I have hit 300 once. Really? You rolled a 300? Yes, was it I san- did. did you get sanctioned? Uh, it was a high school tournament. Wow. Yeah. It was. Um, Where'd you go to high school? I went to Springville. Yeah, Springville. Yeah, I know. I they, was bowling. I was bowling in a game against Tonawanda, in a match wow. against Tonawanda. And the kid Look that bowled you, next to me bowled a 289 at the same time I bowled my 300. What? Yeah. That's cool. Good I've, for you. Good I've for come you. close a couple of times since then, but man, I I just, you know. I I've paid too much attention in my younger days after getting that paid too much attention trying to get the next one and since then I've just been completely thrown off. Here's the one of the one of the awards I disagreed with. Play of the year. The play of the year there were and I got to go remember the actual all the nominations. One was the Michigan Michigan State play, the punt at the end of the game. Ah, oh, amazing, right? One was LeBron James block. You know what won? The Hail Mary from Aaron Rodgers on Monday night against Detroit. What? No. Didn't agree with that one. I and that was it... against Detroit, too. Yeah, not the one right. against Arizona. I thought right, the one against right. Arizona was better. And that was in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? That's right. That, that was to tie the game, too. To send it to overtime. Yeah. That's right. No, but that did not win. And, I, and that would have counted. That was in the, the year. You know, they go from July to July, essentially. I didn't, I didn't agree with that one. The best, what was another one here? Oh, Breakthrough Athlete. I'm okay with Jake Arrieta winning it. Gosh, I got to go back and remember who the, uh, I, said, I said, no, I would vote for this particular person. Who was it? It was Breakthrough Athlete. Now, now I can't remember. They had a snowboarder in there, a female snowboarder. She was really good. And now I can't remember the actual nominees. I just tried to look it up to find I have out. Them, I have them right here for Breakthrough Athlete. Who was athlete. the Breakthrough Athlete? The, the nominees. Nominees I told you who I were Arietta who won, Conor McGregor, yeah. Chloe Kim, uh-huh. and Carl Anthony Towns. I, ooh, maybe Mary Arietta should have won. I think I would have gone with McGregor, though. I think I would have voted Conor McGregor. Breakthrough Athlete. See, I didn't watch the ESPYs, but I mean, I, I followed through a little bit. I did watch Carl Sager's. Uh, speech. Craig, Craig Sager. Craig yep. Sager. Yes, sorry. Craig Sager's speech. Yep. Um, I also saw the the speech at the beginning with Mello, LeBron, Wade, D Wade, and um, Chris Paul. 
But did yeah. you go ahead? I'm sorry. I would have. I actually would have probably picked Jake Arrieta. I mean, he. I understand it. That's cool. I, I'm okay with it. Games last year, yeah. and he even pitched a no hitter. So what about what was the, you have the nominees? What was the record breaking performance nominees? What uh, were they? The record breaking performance nominees were Stefan uh, Steph Curry's yep. single season three pointers made. He won. He won. He won. Them. Yep. Uh, Gino Ariyama, uh, most NCAA basketball Ooh, titles in D1 history. That's crazy. And then Christian McCaffrey's single-season NCAA football all-purpose yards. Gino could have won that. I'm okay with Steph winning it. And then they give an Icon Award, and there were three, and you can't go wrong with any of the three. They gave them to all three, not just one. It was a cool moment. In case you saw it, you didn't see it. All three on stage at once, Peyton Manning, Kobe Bryant, and Abby Wambach, all on stage at once, all retiring this year. Think of the people that retired throughout the last year. Amazing. We talk about the people who've passed this year, like Muhammad Ali and Gordy Howe, two of the greatest ever in any sport to ever live. But how about these players who all retired? Peyton Manning, Abby Wambach, Kobe Bryant, Calvin Johnson just retired. There's been several. Pretty amazing. Uh, year we had for uh, people retiring. Tim Duncan, right? Come on. I, was he was he recognized at no? Because, because I think he he retired too late. You'd have to do it next year. Okay. The, this was through like usually they go through like June, the end of June, maybe end of May, because you know they have to get the awards set up. So those were some of the uh, some of the winners. Yeah, honestly, I mean, going back to your point with the best play, I mean, looking at some of these, yeah. What was it? it was the Michigan, Michigan State, right? Yep, that was that, they, they had they had the hail mary, they had LeBron on the block. Yep, and what was the fourth one? Uh, I thought Chris there was Jenkins, one. Jenkins buzzer beater. Oh, oh, that's Villanova. the one I think that should have won. Villanova, yeah, yeah. I I would have voted for that. Look, it's a championship game, one game. It's a game seven because it's a one and done. And he hits the game winner as the buzzer sounds while the ball is in the air, which, by the way, was a, a play they had to take from the out-of-bounds all the way up. It was drawn up. It was a pass. It was a shot. It was a, it was amazing. To me, that's the play of the year in sports. They even had Bartolo Colon's first home run <laughs> as the play of the year candidate. It, it was it ranked 11th against Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey. Mm. All right, so I just spent 25 minutes on the ESPYs. I can't believe I did that. But that just shows you that, you know, they have a, a discussion here because it's an award show, it's sports, and we talk about sports. You know what went down this past week while I was away? Sabres Development Camp. Joe Yurden was there. We're going to speak with him. He'll give us his impressions and thoughts on some of the things he saw at Sabres Development Camp. At 1 o'clock, we're going to talk with Jeff Meadis about what's going on in the British Open. We'll get an update on the British Open or the Open Championship or the Open, however, whatever whatever the three you want to call it is fine with me today. We'll get that from Brayton when we come back. And also when we come back, okay, while I was, while I was on the plane, got to, they have free movies now on planes on a lot of the flights, not all of them. I saw two fairly recent movies, both of them, home runs. I'll tell you what they were when we come back on WGR.
All right, well, I was while I was out for a little over a week, the Sabres were on the ice. Uh, not this current version of the Sabres, but maybe some Sabres we're going we're gonna to be watching here in a couple of years, maybe this coming year for some of them. Fighting, development camp for spots in the organization. And Joe Yerden from NHL.com was there. And it's good to talk to him, finally, here on Sports Talk Saturday. Joe, thanks a lot for doing this on such short notice. I really appreciate it. Good to finally talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you too, Sal. All right, so I was gone. I was on vacation during development camp. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, get down there to watch. So fill us in a little bit. Fill me in. Educate me on kind of the big picture of what you saw out there with just the overall grouping and maybe comparing it to what we've seen in years past. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you don't want to hear all about the drills and the uh, the bungee cord skating and the parachute. I probably game, right? don't need that. That's okay. <laughs> all right. The, uh, I, you know, this camp, it, it, comparing it to the last few years, I would say this is probably the deepest amount of talent they've had at a camp in in a couple of years. And I, you know, when you look at the the recent drafts and the free agent signings in the summer, it's it's not really a big surprise that that's the case. I mean, there's. There are, there are a lot of players, and that's even that's even uh, discounting the fact that you know guys like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt didn't you know weren't even there this year, even though they were eligible. They didn't you know they weren't there, but they don't need to be there. It's more important for guys like Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste to show how far along they are. For guys like Alex Nylander and Rasmus Asplund to show where exactly they are after they've been drafted. So I I to me this was this was a fascinating look because. Uh, the the way that they played when it came to scrimmages and, and setting things up and and doing things in more game like situations, there's a lot of speed and a lot of skill with these guys out there. And I think that, that to me is what stood out the most was that the level and the intensity level with the, with how quickly these guys played was was really off the charts. Yeah, you know, one thing that's really come up we know over the last uh, couple of years, especially after last year, is. They really need to get more speed into the organization. Do we see that coming in the form of some of these younger guys, as you just pointed out, pretty soon? Do we think? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think in a in another year or two, I think you're going to see things really pick up as far as how quickly plays are made. It may not necessarily be the skating speed to which these guys play with. I mean, there's there's going to be plenty of that. Don't you know, don't get that wrong. But I think for these guys, it's it's a little different in that. It's the decision making that goes a lot faster. It's it's how they set things up and how they move the puck. I think to me that's been the biggest difference with how they were doing things this year. I mean the the, the stick handling, the skill, and the and the ability is all there, but you know it's making decisions faster and and pushing play quicker by by making those decisions faster. Yeah, you know, that's one thing athletes always talk about is the jump in competition always comes with a jump in speed. So was there anybody who kind of impressed you maybe that you didn't think would look as good as he did in that development camp that they really got on the page very quickly and you said, you know what, maybe this person's going to surprise us here in a year or so being a contributor to the Sabres organization? Well, I think I think you have to look at Will Borgen, uh, defenseman from St. Cloud State. I think he was a guy who really showed his ability out there. I think he showed that he's that he's a guy that's going to get on the map here pretty quickly. I mean, he's he's headed into I believe it's his sophomore year at St. Cloud, and you know, with a, I mean, he was drafted last year, so you know, you can be patient with guys in college like that. And I think for him, he really he really stood out as far as what he can do and and his defensive ability. I thought he was outstanding in this camp. And you know, I look at a guy like Rasmus Asplund, 
the second round pick uh, that the Sabres traded up to get him this year. Uh, he's a bit smaller. He's about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, for a center. But his ability and his, his two-way play, I mean, he's got, he's got the shot, he's got the skating and the skill. But he's able to play a little bit stronger defensively as well. And I think he's a guy that, you know, he's probably going back to Sweden uh, this season. Uh, but I think when you're talking about next year, maybe it's time to bring him over to have him play in Rochester. Or maybe, you know, if he makes a big enough leap, maybe he threatens to, to crack the lineup. But, you know, to me, those are two guys that really stood out at this camp. And, you know, I, 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 that's as far as the prospect guys goes. And guys like Bailey and Baptiste and them, right. they did their job. You know, they did what they were supposed to do. They're supposed to be the most experienced. They're supposed to be the best. And they were. And I, I, to me, that's, that's what you need to see out of those guys. You don't want those guys lagging behind anybody else. But I think when it comes to uh, when, it, when it comes to the guys who are really impressed, I mean, you know, obviously Nylander was great, but um, you know, Asplund, Borgen, Nylander, I think those three really stood out to me. Talking with Joe, is it Yerden or Yerden? I want to make sure. Yerden. Okay, I thought so. It's not Y E A. It's Y E. But everybody can follow you on Twitter, by the way, Joe Yerden uh, on Twitter. He's a contributor and a Buffalo correspondent at NHL.com. And we're talking about the Sabers development camp last week here on WGR. Goaltending wise, what did you see out there? It looks to be a spot in the organization now where there are some question marks right at the top and throughout. Yeah, I, I think if you're worrying about goaltending, I think things are along the path as far as as development goes, I think things are, are chiming out the right way. I, to me, Cal Peterson was, was the A1 guy this year, just the same way Jason Kasdorf was last year, uh, last year's camp. Cal Peterson by far stood out to me uh, as, as being the guy who's maybe you can start thinking about, you know, after, after he finishes the season at Notre Dame, maybe he signs out of college. Once the season's over, maybe he shows up in Rochester or even Buffalo at the end of the year. But uh, to me, Peterson's the, he's the number one with a bullet as far as you know, as far as guys that that aren't pro yet. Um, you know, we we only saw him and, and Jonas Johansson. Unfortunately, Linus Allmark was was sick and could not go at camp this year. It would have been nice to see what see where he was at and and how things were progressing with him because you know his season didn't exactly end great Rochester, but. Uh, to me, Peterson's the guy you gotta you gotta watch all year long. You know, keep keep that stray eye on Fridays and Saturday nights when the Sabers aren't playing, and keep an eye on Notre Dame, just to see how they're doing. Because to me, he's he's the number one guy that isn't Olmark or Kazor or, or or somebody like that. I think he's he's the guy that really stands out. You know, the the other two guys that were in were invites. Steve Racine, you know, he's a local guy for, you know, playing at Michigan. Played very well in the three-on-three competition, and then uh, the kid from Quebec, he was he was all right. But you know, Peterson's the guy you gotta you gotta keep an eye on this year because he we could see a a Kasdorf-like situation with him where as soon as the Irish are done, maybe he maybe he jumps in at the end of the season. I'm glad you ended with that because my follow-up to that is what is his timeline, Joe? What are we looking at with him? Is this a guy that could be challenging for a roster spot within a year? Is he a guy that could eventually be challenging Robin Leonard for the number one goalie on the Sabres within what three years? I don't know. Well, he's he's a young kid. I mean, he's a, you know goalies. The development line for them is always a little funky because it takes them a little bit a little bit of time to get acclimated. And I mean, we're still in that kind of window with Leonard. I mean, Leonard's 24, you know, Elias right. Allmark's 22, 23 years old. I mean, we, we still haven't seen a lot of these guys. Jason Kasdorf is also 22 or 23. So, I mean, it, it, you got a pile of guys that are pretty young and Peterson's the, the, the youngest of that bunch. To me, it's, you know, maybe if you're thinking 
two or three years down the road, maybe you know maybe he can come in and and hustle things up in camp and 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 make a run at things. But you know, I think right now they've got a lot of things to figure out as far as the goaltending goes. They got to figure out you know where they are with Leonard. You know, it you know they've got his rights. They're going to be able to keep him after you know his contract's up this year. But you know, you've got that. You've got Hallmark. You need to figure out what his deal is. You got. Hasdorf, you got to figure out, you know, what his deal is and if he can stay healthy. There's a lot of question marks, but having bringing another guy in that can play and play well can't hurt because then that can help break up the logjam if one if one guy out of that group decides to take off. Is there anybody that uh, you'd hope to have seen more from in development camp? Maybe that didn't quite step into a spot that you thought they might be, or is maybe a little bit further away than you thought they were maybe a year ago. Well, it's. It, 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 I'm glad you asked that because I can kind of clarify on on some thoughts of my own. Okay. Uh, one guy who didn't really, to me, jump off the map and say, "Wow, this guy's got it." Was was Brendan Gooley. And now I'm saying that, and people are going to freak out. It's not because he was bad. It's because he was so good last year and so mm-hmm. good in training camp that you think, like, "Well, all right, this guy's going to come in and blow the doors off again." Right. Well, he didn't blow the doors off, but he but he still was really good and. You know, if if a guy's not grabbing your attention every time, I think people start to get a little disappointed because, you know, it sets the bar higher and people expect more. To me, Gooley, you know, and Tim Murray said it you know, when, when camp closed up, you know, he said, you know, he wasn't disappointed at all with Gooley. He just said that, you know, because he's been so good that you that you automatically assume that things are always going to keep getting better. It's like, it's like no, he was still great and he did all these things off the ice to improve himself, but... You know, you know, you always want to see him do a little bit more and, and do things that may, you know, make you make you go home remembering him. But you know, I think of the way he played in the three-on-three tournament with the uh, with the gray team, and he had he and uh, Vasily Glossov, the uh, seventh-round pick this year, had some pretty good chemistry, moving the puck around and and doing some creative stuff offensively. So I like seeing that. And Gulick even played a little bit of forward in the scrimmage. So you know, for a guy like him, where the expectations are a little bit higher. Uh, I thought he was. I, I thought he was to my blind, you know, to my just straight up vision. It just seemed okay. But talking with some of the coaches and the scouts there, it seemed like they were they were very happy with with the way he did. So to me, he's a guy where I think maybe my own expectations sure. are set a little bit higher. Um, but he was. But to me, it was you know it was one of those things where you know you, you're hoping you're hoping he does something a little bit flashier there's something a little bit extra to, to to make you go home saying geez that guy i can't believe he was so good but he was great um but I, as far as guys lagging behind i didn't there wasn't somebody who really stood out where i was like geez i wish they were better it didn't really happen to me it's, to me that's if you can go home at the end of the day of development camp and say that it's pretty good joe yurden joining us nhl.com here on wgr all right, now with the signing of Nylander, he's in the fold. It's He's an interesting situation, I think, for what fans... There's going to be a lot of fans who expect too much from him right away, I think, Joe. And there's going to be other fans who might be really tempering their expectations and he could surpass them because, let's face it, he's not a top three pick, but he's also not a guy that was drafted in the 20s. He's kind of right there, right in the middle, where you are going to have a lot of differing opinions as far as expectations. What are your expectations? Or at least I should ask you, what should the fans' expectations be from Nylander right now? I would I would say to be patient. I mean, obviously he got everybody's attention with the shootout stuff. You know, the shootout moves are, are fantastic. He's very slick with the puck and traffic. You know he's got all those kinds of things, but you know let's wait. Let's wait for the preseason to roll around where he's able to get against some some NHL size guys and some NHL level 
competition to see what exactly he can do. Um, to me, this is why I think we're going to see him play in Rochester this season. You know, he's got four options. He can go back to Sweden. He can play in Mississauga again. He can play in Rochester. He can play in Buffalo. But to me, I think you got to have him in Rochester and feel it out and see if that's see if that's the the the, the absolute right level for him. Because I, to me, it's you know what else is that guy going to do in junior junior hockey? I mean, he scored nearly thirty goals last year at seventy points. You know, what more do you have to prove there? But, you know, people are getting excited because, you know, I've seen a few people trying to pencil him in, you know, maybe into that top six in Buffalo. And I'm like, well, let's calm down a little bit. Mm. He's probably not going to be doing that right away. Um, but he's he's tremendously skilled. And to me, I think the, the Sabres have a few other things to get figured out. you got to figure out where Tyler Ennis fits into, the, fits into things. you got to find out if Jimmy Vesey is going to end up signing here. You got a you got a handful of stuff where you got to get it figured out before you even start wondering about about Alex Nylander. But you know he's got another month and a half or so to get ready for training camp. And you know let's see what let's see where he is after a workout regimen and, and he's able to get in here to work against you know some of the defensemen here in camp to see where he's at. To me, put him in Rochester and let's see see where things go from there. Uh, Joe, last thing I'll get you out of here on this. The there, there was a great great. You know, organization behind the top club for a couple of years when they were building, when they were going through the everything they were going through. Obviously, Tim Murray traded some of those assets to get players in here to maybe speed up the rebuild. Where are we right now with uh, what you saw from development camp as far as kind of the prospects in the organization, the farm club, the system, as far as are they one of the better in the NHL? Are they sort of in the middle or are they near the bottom? I, I think as far as Rochester goes, I think they're right in the middle. Um, I don't think things are as good as, as Amherst fans would love them to be. And, you know, but I think the prospect depth is, is great. I think the last two drafts they've had have really filled things out. And, you know, we're going to see where a lot of these guys are at in the next year or two. But, um, you know, when you're moving out guys like, like Comfer and Lemieux and Armia and, and these guys, I think that, you know, to get NHL talent, you got to give up guys like that. But, you know, if, if you look at where those guys are at in, in Colorado and Winnipeg and, you try to put them in here at Buffalo, it's like, well, where in the heck would you have room for any of these guys mm-hmm. to fit in? I mean, you either have a log jam in the bottom, you know, in the bottom part of your lineup at Buffalo, or you got a log jam in the AHL, and that doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot of good to help anybody out. So I think Murray's done fine by that, and you know, we haven't seen any of these other prospects really jump off the map as far as becoming go-to guys as far as the NHL goes. So. You know, the right moves at the time, time will tell if it was the right move. But I think for right now, Buffalo's, Buffalo's fine where they're at. It's just, I think, for, for, for a team like Rochester to reap the benefits, it's going to take another year or two. You can follow the noted jerk on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. Good stuff, man. That was really fun. I really appreciate it. And we'll do this again, and then we'll talk about the real club when games matter down the road, if that's okay with you. Hey, you got it, Sal. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, Joe. Great job today. Really appreciate that. And that educated me on what happened because I was not around for development camp. I was on vacation. So, Joe, great job there. And we appreciate that. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. He is a correspondent here in Buffalo for NHL.com. Does very, very good work. So we thank him for joining us. We'll come back. And I promise you, I'm going to give you those movies that I saw on the plane. One on the way there, one on the way back when I went out west. Both of them very, very good. And I recommend. I'll tell you what they are next on WGR. I think uh, I can make the team, um, which I'm going to try to do everything it takes to, to make that team. Of course, this coming in in September, um, I'm going to do everything it takes in the summer to get ready for it. Alex Nylander, I, yeah, I think they're gonna we're going to have some polarizing type of expectations from Sabres fans on him because 
He is a first-round pick, but he wasn't drafted necessarily really, really high. And, you know, he's not a top-three pick where a lot of those guys can come in right away and play right away. He's also coming into a team that has some good forwards. And he's also not a guy that was drafted in bottom 20, so he's talented enough that... You know, he might have expectations, so that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested in that development there. For well, I mean, Sam Reinhart was also drafted second overall, and, and he played nine games but showed early on that he wasn't quite ready to make that step ne- that year in his rookie year. However, he goes back to junior, works hard, builds up his, his physical stature. and That was the biggest thing with him. Improved really. his skating yeah. and comes back, and he plays in the NHL right away. And I see that something that's – I see that very similar – with a situation like Alex Nylander. I think Nylander's skill is exceptional. I think it's ready. I think he's his skill's up to par with the NHL. I just think that he's just got to catch up a little bit mentally with the NHL, which won't take him long at all. No, no. But Especially I, his IQ from his, his pedigree as well. Right. It's going to really help him with that. But I think his speed and his skating and his physical stature needs to catch up to the NHL and... A year in the AHL will definitely help accelerate that for yeah, him. With his family background, his dad he's a good player, by the way. I mean, but that 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 stuff will help. He'll be more acclimated than a lot of kids his age coming into the league because of how they can really, you know, draw on those experiences and they've been around the game for so long. So I agree with you in that regard. That'll help him out. I do wonder about the VC situation. That will impact Nylander maybe more than anybody in the organization. That that could really be the guy that that impacts. Well, of course, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If Jimmy Vc comes in, then right. there's no need for Nylander to. But now, no... but if he doesn't, you have an opening. You have an opening, and there's other options that you could put those open. I mean, Justin Bailey's one that maybe sure. could fill that spot. I mean, you could sign a guy like Brandon Peary, who's still out there on the free agent market. And I'm no way, by the way, am I suggesting that if Vc doesn't come, that Nylander gets that spot? Right, I, of course. But of course, he's much more in the mix now. If oh yeah, that happens. absolutely. So on the way to Oregon, where I flew into Portland. First, was it was weird. It was odd. The way my tickets worked, because I had a special classification, because I actually, um, and, and good plug here, by the way, for the Alex Rice Foundation, the tickets I used to go out west were tickets I bought at a silent auction at the Alex Rice Foundation a couple uh, a year ago, and for a good cause, and uh, bought the tickets, spent a little bit less than I normally would to go on a trip like this, but it was for a great cause. But because of the way the tickets worked and the classification, I had to fly out of Syracuse. So gladly do that. It was a great cause. Glad we did that. And uh, Brian Duff was the one that, you know, ran a lot of the stuff that went on with the uh, organizing of those fundraisers. We went to the big one uh, last March for the Alex Rice Foundation, and I bought those tickets for this particular trip we use now. And... For some reason, they had us go into, that has nothing to do with the tickets, just the way that the uh, routes worked. They had us going to Atlanta, then to Portland on the way there. But on the way back, we went from Portland to JFK and then home. So kind of odd. But from Atlanta to Portland, it was a good four-hour flight. So I started watching some movies. They have now on these flights, a lot of them, no matter what airline you go on, you have free movies that you can watch. Not just one, but a bunch of them to choose from. Kids movies, you can play games. It's pretty cool. On the way there, I watched Creed. Have you seen it yet, Brayton? I have not. I'll tell you, as much as it may be Rocky Part 365, and after like three or four, you get like, come on, right? It was really, really super good. I loved it. 
I have just started watching the Rocky franchise. Oh, you never seen them? I've only seen number one. Okay. I just got done with number one, and I've got two through 724 recorded on my DVR. So I'm I'm counting down here and trying to get through all of them, and then hopefully I'll get to see Creed 2. Well, Michael B. Jordan plays the son of Apollo Creed, and the storyline is essentially he wants to make it on his own and not have his dad's last name. He He's uh, Adonis Johnson. Adonis, I think is his name. Right? I have to go back and make sure I have that. But he wants to make sure he, yeah, Adonis Johnson, makes it on his own, and he's kind of ashamed of the last name in a way because his dad, Apollo Creed, had him through an affair, okay? So the movie is about Rocky. He approaches Rocky to help him train him and blah, 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 and it's kind of like a culmination of Rocky and other people and him understanding that his name is something to be proud of and not to be ashamed of, and it also goes along with his boxing career, where it goes, who he fights, and it's just a really good story. I liked it. It was excellent. And by the way, unless you've, I don't know if you've ever seen The Wire, but I'm pretty sure, I got to look at this. Is it, I think Michael B. Jordan was Wallace in The Wire, right? That's who he was. Yeah, he was Wallace. And if you watch The Wire, which I was hooked on The Wire, Wallace was an awesome character who met a horrible fate. And you just, it's one of those characters you felt awful about when he actually got killed. And I can say this, it's not a spoiler. 2002 was The Wire. And Wallace was a kid who was taking care of his his siblings, but then you got caught up with other people and who didn't like something he did, and they wound up killing him. And I, it, he was a great character. Now you advance here. Now we are in 2016, and he's playing Apollo Creed's son. It was great. Loved it. I recommend it. And Rocky wasn't going around beating people up at the age of 65. Okay, so don't worry about that. The other movie on the way back, and I got to get out. I know I, I got to get to the break. Got Jeff Meadis coming up very soon. The other movie on the way back, totally different, but I loved it. And I'm not much into superhero movies. Deadpool. I watched Deadpool on the way back. Boy, is Ryan Reynolds fantastic. He was fantastic in this film. I loved Deadpool. Oh, my God. I'm not into a lot of the superhero movies. I don't read them. I don't know. I didn't, I'm like, who's this Deadpool? Is it, it's not a normal character, right? It's someone they kind of made up for the movie. I don't, I don't think Deadpool I, like has comic books about him. Maybe I, I'm wrong. I, mean, I I think they do have okay, comic books. Okay, maybe they, they do. This isn't my background. Our former right. producer here, Tom yes. Stitch, would know for yes. sure, definitely. Right. But I, you know, Deadpool was a great movie. I fully enjoyed it, and I am looking forward to seeing the sequel whenever it comes out. It was great. I loved it. Very very good movie. Um, so I recommend both of them, Creed and Deadpool. Saw them on the flights on the way there, on the way back, and it helps when your two-and-a-half-year-old son sleeps four hours out of a five-hour flight that you don't have to worry about him. He's done great. My son's been to Europe twice and across out west once, and he's two-and-a-half, and it's good because he he's, he's understanding the way f- flights and planes work and how he has to behave, and I love it, and it means that you know going forward I shouldn't have too much of a problem, knock on wood. Speaking of that, a little bit later, got a great story about I'm going to share I'm very highly upset about something that someone put in my son's head. And I'm going to tell you about that when we come back after I talk with Jeff Metis here on WGR about the British Open. We'll do a quick break and then we'll do that up next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.